and all that is so wonderful. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for being at Crossroads Church on Christmas Eve. And um, I could just tell you right now, I can tell you are the smarter of the two groups that came today. First service, we had a lot of people here, and, um, and I still see some Seahawks outfits here. And I know you're smart enough to operate your recorders and still see the whole game. This is the intelligent crowd way to go, and I congratulate you on that. Um, they're not here. They don't know what I'm saying about them. <laughs> anyway, so um, <laughs> so my wife's going to tell on me. I just want to remind you also, church, that we do have service next weekend instead of Saturday, though. We'll be back to Sunday morning. It's New Year's Day at 10, and I'm going to start a new series. We're going to be taking a look at um, the Apostle Paul. I, I like to occasionally study characters of the Bible, and there's so much in the Word of God about the Apostle Paul. And um, we're going to be looking at his life and, and talking about the, the lessons he learned. There are lots of great lessons about that he basically learned how big God is compared to us. And um, not in terms of squashing us, but how big he is, bigger than our problems, bigger than our discouragement, bigger than our religion, bigger than our sin, bigger than our failures. We, have, we serve a big God, and we're going to be starting that series next week at 10 o'clock. There's also going to be a donut wall, whatever that means, I don't know. I'm not saving any space for it. I'm just going to just go for it when it gets here. So um, um, I'm just going to let go this weekend. It's just terrible what I do. Anyway, so um, you know Proverbs. I love Proverbs. Here's one for you, verse uh, 26 of chapter 24. An honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. That's a good one. So um, Merry Christmas to you. Today, today is Jesus' birthday. At least it's the day we celebrate that's a whole different issue of what the actual date was. Don't really care about that for today, but um, it's the day we celebrate. And there's something pretty special about the birth of a baby. I saw that a lot of babies come in today on little carriers. They change your life. And um, it's, it's a blessing to have children in our lives. My absolute favorite psalm is Psalm 39, 139. And um, here's a little snippet out of there. Um, and, and the psalmist here is actually praying. He's talking to God about the way God feels about us. Okay, so picture yourself here. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written the day's fashion for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. The, the, the psalm goes on to say that the number of precious thoughts the Lord has about you and me are too many to count. So many they can't be numbered. What a wonderful, wonderful I love that psalm. And, you know, I, I, think, I think before you were born, children and grown-ups, before you were born, when you were being shaped and knitted together in your mother's womb, the Lord was thinking about you, thinking, I'm, I, I love this one. And he still feels that way about you today. That's what scripture says. doesn't matter what failures you've had. doesn't matter whether you made the naughty list instead of the nice list. God still feels about you that you're precious, that you are absolutely precious. And, and, and then those precious thoughts are, are too many to count. 500 years before Jesus was born, there was a, a prophet who, who um, and this was written down, his prophet, prophet's name was Isaiah, and it's a passage that's very familiar, but he wrote this down. He said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's a tradition for us to read the Christmas story, and today I'm going to share with you a, um, a video. We'll tell the story instead of me. (laughs) 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that's, um, that's such a commonly um, heard phrase, uh, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That translation is similar to um, how it's also said in the NIV, it says, um, peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. That contrasts the one that's in the Hallmark card. The Hallmark card typically quotes the King James. It says, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and it stops there. And it's accurate. It is accurate translation, but the more precise translation is the one that we have here today. Peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. That suggests something. It suggests a truth that uh, gets missed if you just read the Hallmark card. God doesn't place his peace on everybody. Wow, I, that's not politically correct, God. Don't you know you're supposed to do that? But it's, it just, he doesn't. That's what scripture says. Why doesn't he? Why is it on those just on whom his favor rests? What's that all about? Well, the reason I think is because some people just choose to reject God's help. They just choose to say no no thanks, I don't want to. And it doesn't make any sense to reject God's love and his help, but sometimes we do. I mean, sometimes we do, we, we receive it all the time or most of the time, and sometimes we just occasionally, other people just say no in their life. They just say, no, I really don't ha want to have anything to do with God. We don't want to be accountable or um, we have an independent streak or whatever, whatever it is, but we, we find ourselves sometimes just having said to God, no, I really can get this covered on my own. The problem will be then when life comes and challenges come, we have a tendency then to blame God 
for not being involved in our lives, in fact, when he wanted to be all along. And so this supernatural peace, I'm not talking about where, well, things will probably work out okay, and the doctor says if I take certain medicines, it will cure me. I'm not talking about that kind of peace. I'm talking about the kind of peace when there is no reason with your intellect you can say, this is going to work out okay. But somehow, something supernatural happens, and it gets down in past your intellect into your heart. And you actually have true and legitimate and genuine peace because you know and you're knower. And it's been stuck down in there, tucked down in by the loving fingers of a loving God. That's supernatural peace. And there's times when we've got to have that kind or there won't be any peace. There's a great Christmas example and that's um, Joseph. Joseph basically had been told, um, he'd, he'd found out that this woman that he was betrothed to, which is a little bit more than an engagement, but not quite married yet. So it's pretty serious. He finds out this woman who he has not been with physically is pregnant. And you can imagine, wait a minute, the violation, the plans he had, how he thought his life was going to be. He feels betrayed. He feels humiliated. He's probably angry. And it just, just imagine that. There is a perfect opportunity for absolutely supernatural peace to get just tucked in there because God is up to something. And there's scriptures that talk about that too. Here's a video showing about Joseph's supernatural peace. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So there's an example of supernatural peace, God getting involved and invested, and it's way more common than just when Jesus was born. I think it happens in a lot of our lives with, with, with regularity it can happen. And, and, and maybe you caught something in there, the previous passage that was quoted um, where, he, where it where, he quoted Isaiah. And the, the, the thing about that passage, there are names. He says, 
they will call him, you will call him. And I read that, and I'm kind of a bit of a Bible nerd, and I read that, and I got a little bit confused. I'm thinking, wait a second, God, you know, you've, you've said they're going to call him Emmanuel. I'm supposed to name him Jesus. What's with the contra- seemingly contradictory? What's going on with this? Well, to, to us, when we name a child, we kind of pick a name that we like. Maybe it's, it reminds us of someone, or we like the way it sounds. Um, but in, in, in the times of the Bible, names actually were very, very important. They were very, very important, and they meant something very specific. And so when names are called out in the Bible, it's worth our time to find out, well, what's the deal with the name? And in this case, seemingly two names, and it doesn't make sense. Okay, I got to know because the nerd in me wants to know what's, what's going on here. Why are you making such a big deal out of even mentioning names, Lord? And so just seeing this characteristic of the Bible, I want to know what the deal is. So I start studying that. And you, you just read, what does it say? What's going on here? He says, do we call him Jesus? Or do we call him Emmanuel? I don't get it, God. Make your mind up. Ooh, you thought I was going to get hit by lightning for a minute, didn't you? No. I mean, I think it's okay with God when we see something and we don't understand it. Lord, help me understand. And I mean that with all, all respect. I mean, what is the deal? Are we supposed to name him Jesus or Emmanuel? And the, and the scriptures here are telling us about a characteristic of mankind. And they're telling us some things about those names. So there's something for us to dig out of this. Two options. Option one is Jesus. Jesus, the word Jesus comes from two different root words, uh, a combination of the name of God, Jehovah, and another word that literally means um, deliverer or salvation or savior. And then the second one, Emmanuel, the scripture tells us what it means. It means God with us. So God gives us two names, two names for the child. You will call him Jesus. You will call him Jesus. God is my savior, Savior. That's the personal perspective. It's God saved me. And and a lot of people call him Jesus because he's their Savior. And then Scripture says, they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now that's a group, they. It's a group of people. It's some group of people. It's a group perspective that God is here. God's with us. And some people call him that. Both names are true. But what's going on? What's with the difference? That name, salvation, God is my Savior, is very personal. God's my Savior. The name God with us is mean God's present, and it's rel- rel- relevant for everybody. God's present for everybody. So what's the difference? The difference is that can pe- people can know about God's presence without knowing him as Savior. And think of it like this. You know, um, Seahawks are playing a game in a little while against Cardinals, right? Okay, and I know a lot of you are Seahawks fans, and if I don't pay attention to the game today and I see you in a couple of days in the toy department at Home Depot um, and, and, and you're wearing your jersey and it reminds me, oh, yeah, the Seahawks played on Saturday, and I say to you, what happened? You're probably going to say, we won! Wow, that's great. Or, you know, the Cougars play on Tuesday night, and they're going to win the Holiday Bowl, but I won't know that, so I run into you in the toy department, and you say, I say, hey, what happened with the Cougars? We won! Or following Saturday, when the Huskies play Alabama. <laughs> Eric will say, we lost, but that reference is Alabama. <laughs> and, and, and when you say, we won, you know, there's something in me that, that wants to, you know, say, well, really? Yeah. Did you like catch a touchdown pass or who's we? Well, I'm not actually on the team, but I watched the game. 
I'm not really one of the Seahawks, but I have the jersey, and I look like it, but I'm not a real player. That's the scary thing. A lot of people can know about the presence of God, but they do not know him as Savior. And the Jews were mulling this exact question. And there's a passage in, in John, and they, they knew this, they were mulling this exact question, and, and it happened to be on the, uh, the, the day of the, um, the Feast of Dedication, which has got different names. Today we call it Hanukkah, and did you know that today Hanukkah starts today at sundown? Anyway, um, so this little passage that we're going to read was actually occurring on an exact, this is, today is the anniversary of this conversation the annual anniversary of this conversation. So, so here's the story, and this is in John chapter 10, starting in verse 22. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And, the, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him. Jesus was one of the Jews. But they all surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. That word Christ means Messiah. It means anointed one. They're looking for someone sent from God. God's something miraculous to happen from someone. So they're saying, are you him? Verse 25, Jesus answered. Here's now we get to red letters in my Bible. This is Jesus talking. He says, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Those are very direct words. If you know Jesus, if you know him as Savior, he just explained, then you know his voice. And when he calls you, you follow him. That's what, that's what Jesus says. That's not me being narrow. It's just me telling you the narrow thing that Jesus says. If you are one of his sheep, you know his voice, and you follow him when he calls you. That's him saying right there. And, and, and that's, you know, that's how you know if you're saved. That's how you know if you're going to go to heaven. If you know his voice and you follow him when he calls. He goes on, verse 28. And there's the promise. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. It's not enough to know about Jesus. You have to be one of his sheep if you want eternal life. So we're just about ready to light candles, but I want to ask you without, this is rhetorical, but I want to ask this Christmas question of you today. Do you know him as salvation or do you only know him as God with us? Jesus was talking about this dilemma because many people don't know him as savior and they have the opportunity. And he's actually in a prayer here. He's talking to God. The Father, and this is John 17, verse 8. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Now catch this. Jesus says this. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. There is Jesus is talking about his sheep. He's talking about the people who know his voice. And I want to explain this to you. You don't get to heaven by joining a church or being good or helping somebody or giving money or any of that stuff. Those things are all good to do. Help people be nice. You should love people. That's all true. But none of that will get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven 
is knowing the shepherd's voice and coming when he calls. If you've never done that before, if you've never in your soul decided, you know what, I, I want to I know his voice and follow him when he, I want to be one of his sheep. It's simply, it's very simple to do. You can't earn this. You can't work your way to it. The way you do it is just like any other gift that's coming at Christmas time. You accept it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would have ever, not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. And that's, that's this whole thing about being one of his sheep. You've heard the gospel now. You know what the gift is. And you simply say, yes, I want to be one of God's sheep. I want to receive him as my savior. That's what all that means. And if you've never done that before, you can do it. And I encourage you to do it right this moment. Don't join this church. I'm not asking you for that. I'm asking you to say with your heart, I, I really want to be one of his sheep. It's as simple as that. Scripture says, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. You don't have to get better. You don't have to try to prove yourself. You don't have to start doing things. You don't have to stop doing things. There's none of that that's required. If you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. Let tomorrow take care of itself. I encourage you to do that. Scripture says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So I encourage you, if you're, to, first off, to make that decision right now. Don't wait. And then tell somebody. Just later today, tell somebody that, you know what, I, I'm, I made a decision. I'm going to be one of Jesus' sheep. Don't know what that means, but I'm going to walk forward in that and see where he takes me. And I just encourage you to do that with, with people. So um, now, I want to pray over you, and then we're going to do candle lighting. Lord, just want to thank you for the absolute unmeasured love that Christmas is. You paid this terrible price of coming from the majesty of heaven to, to sub- submit yourself to human life, to being born as a little guy, to, to deal with the, the cares of life, to pay a terrible price and to become the perfect sacrifice to, to pay the price for us. Thank you for that kind of love. I pray, Lord, that as you're speaking to hearts today, that people would be drawn into the love of the Savior, the love of the Savior. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to light some candles. And um, this is a tradition. It's not a religious thing to do. It's just a tradition. It has a lot of symbolism to it. I want to get practical with you for a minute, and then I want to talk about why we're doing it. First, the practical part is, right at this moment, nobody's head is on fire in here, Right? We need to finish the service the same way we're, do, we're at right now. So, okay, so I, I want you to be very, very careful. Children can, can do this if their parents feel that the children are okay. But parents, please be responsible. Watch your kids carefully. Make sure they don't stick their hands out here in front of them and light somebody's head on fire, right? Okay, so, and the way that we light candles is very specific. Once the, light is, once the candle is lit and burning, that one, from that time on, always stays pointing up. It never turns sideways because the wax will drip, right? Okay, right. So when yours is lit and you're passing your light onto someone, they do, do that again. Very good. I don't know if you could hear it from there, but there's a sound effect that comes with that. <laughs> One more time. Yeah, but really good. So, so once yours is lit, you keep it up and down like that, and then you allow the next person to take the light. So we will be coming down the aisles and lighting both sides of the aisles, and you pass the light on. Scripture tells us, that we are to be salt and light to the world. And you have the opportunity after today, if you carry Jesus in your heart as Savior, you have the opportunity to be light to people around you. 
Now, the recipe is important here. Most of the time, Christians can make a mistake by, by, our, by being zealous, and we try to be a whole bunch of salt and maybe a little bit of light. That's exactly the opposite of what it should be. You know what it is to get too much salt on your food? You can't eat it. It won't go down. Or if it does, it comes back. It's terrible. The different, that's the difference with light. A little bit of light is really good. A lot of light is even better. So we're to be the light of the world. And my encouragement to you is, well, I'll, I'll save that for after. So, let's, so we're going to lighten up. Can we have the lights down?